And it's the Nonprofits. Hi, everybody. I'm Jeff Day. I'm Dennis LeBay. And I'm Russell Glasser. And together we are the three the Nonprofits. nonprofits. <laughs> I don't know where that good. I don't know where that came from. Uh, it's uh, we're live November twenty. Uh, in a you know surprisingly good mood, all things considered. Um, but uh, but here we are. Um, uh, do some quick announcements here. National Atheist Ombuds. If you hear slurs, defamation, or discrimination uh, directed against atheists or other non-believers in the U.S. media, report it to the National Atheist Ombuds by emailing ombuds at atheism.org. Uh, include as many details as possible in a news source where applicable incidents will be reported to national and local non-theist organizations that will distribute press releases regarding the reported subject matter. There's a website, ombudsman.secular.ws. You know, I had ombuds one time, but the doctor gave me some antibiotics. (laughs) Cleared it right up. (laughs) (laughs) On the CFI events calendar... Uh, December 4th and 5th, Systems of Belief Lecture Series at Center for Inquiry West in Hollywood, California. Uh, for info, go to www.cfiwest.org slash calendar slash cook2.htm. That's C-O-O-K-E-2 dot H-T-M. Okay. How's everybody been? Just fine. Uh, getting better. Yeah, and we're sort of getting over the, yeah, we're the shock. Recovering slowly. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah. Uh, All the horror sets in, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what to say about that that I, I haven't already heard. Uh, but I will m- mention one thing. Um, yes. There was this. Uh, there was this uh, uh, page of data. That uh, like a web page with a the correlation between uh, the uh, average IQ of oh, a state. Oh no! No, and, that's yeah, no. I'm, that's what I'm going to say, Russell. Sorry. Um, and uh, and the and whether it was a red or a blue state in the mm-hmm. election, and there was this apparent obvious correlation. Right. It's a hoax. Ah. Okay. The reason I bring this up, you know, not that I want you to all run out and check out all the hoaxes, is uh, it is important that we not set aside our principle, the reason why we think that we're better people than the ones who got elected, because we're rational, and that means we don't leap to conclusions like that data must be correct because it appeals to us emotionally. Right. And I, I've been seeing, you know, uh, uh, multiple examples of that going on. The other thing was, you know, the, the, the tornado map or hurricane map of Florida. Right. Remember that one? Also a hoax. Um just everybody I wonder use only live ammunition, okay? Right. There's no point loading up our arsenal with blanks. Yeah. Uh now you might want to check out there's a there's a map out there correlating uh the red and blue states with uh the old slave states. And now is that true? I looked at the map, it looks it, good. It, but, but, <laughs> I have no idea. But but, but there were states the in the north, north versus the south. I but mean, weren't there? Weren't there were red states in the north? There were in the election. There were northern west red states. Mm, I don't know. Like who got Idaho? It's a northern state. I'm pretty sure Bush got Idaho. Don't know. Nobody knows. Okay. There was I'm a just saying. Category that covered that. I'm not sure what it was. But anyway. 
A third category? A third category. They made up another category. I don't know. Maybe it's a margin of difference. I'm people, just saying, people, see, that's, a, that's an example. That yeah. is a thing that bears investigation. Not just, you know, does it look good, does it feel right, but actually, you know, going to say Snopes and finding out. Okay, who wants to do news? Oh, gosh. Um, Dennis? Well, I've got a little story here. It's kind of amusing. You need to turn off your irony-o-meters. Oh, boy. Um, okay, uh, what if the rapture had all, has already happened? What if Revelation's prophecies have been fulfilled? Um, apparently, uh, to, to, to Christians, this is unthinkable, because uh, they expect the end of the world is still yet to come, and that, you know, they'll be part of it and everything. Yeah, they wouldn't still be here. Right. But that's more, and that's more or less the storyline here too by the phenomenally popular Left Behind series. Now, however, Tyndale House, the Christian publisher of Left Behind, is planning a new fictional series with a very different view, one that posits that Revelation actually tells the story in code of the first century persecution of Christians and of the fall of the Jewish temple. Uh-huh. Tyndale officials say they're simply presenting different sides of an uh, important theological issue. But Reverend Tim LaHaye, co-author of the Left Behind books, called the decision by his publishers stunning and disappointing, and he felt betrayed. <laughs> now, That's because he now, believes that the fiction he writes is real. Right. Now, now here's where you, you make sure your irony meters are off. He, yeah. Here's a quote from him. This is wonderful. They are going to take the money we made for them and promote this nonsense. <laughs> that quote alone made this a must-do uh, story. <laughs> so now, wait, is this? A, does it say whether this is going to be a series of fourteen novels or whatever the left? I don't know if it's going to be was? a huge series. Let's see. Uh, uh, the co-author of the new series obviously disagrees. I'm elated with uh, Tyndale's support," said Hank. Uh, Hanegraaff, the host of a here. syndicated call-in radio show, The Bible Answer Man. Yep. I'm good. You got Uh-oh. it. But isn't he also a scary right-wing fundamentalist asswipe? Oh, yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. It's not like this is, they're, they're both going to be crappy Christian But shit, one thing but. I'll say in Hanegraaff's favor is yeah. that he always tells people to shut up about rapture predictions because nobody <laughs> knows anything about when it's going to happen. Huh. Of course, he believes it will happen, but... Right. Uh, well, so why is he writing a book about it already happened? Um, to shut those people up, I guess. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I love it when they fight amongst themselves. Yeah, the rest of the yeah, story is basically them fighting among themselves, <laughs> you know, saying, you're not reading the Bible right. No, you're not reading the Bible right. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Speaking of books about the Bible... I have begun reading the Da Vinci Code. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, man. So yeah, far, it's yeah, a, so far it's actually it's, it's an o- it's an okay, um, like you know, thriller novel kind yeah. of thing. Okay. Uh, I, you know, I'm only like two three chapters in, so nothing right. to report yet. I will do a full book report when I've finished the cool finished the thing. But in case anybody doesn't know this, um, the Da Vinci Code is a book with the premise that Jesus survived the um the his crucifixion uh-huh. and went to France with his family 
and got married and had kids and founded the Merovingian line of kings of France, which has now died out. Uh-huh. But there are, but in the book, there are the keepers of this secret knowledge. Right. And um, evil church people go after them to murder them and acquire the documentation. And uh, the, before the last one of them dies, he manages to alert the main char- the character in the book, who is then in a race against time against the evil church people. Right. To discover the the proof that, you know, that... Jesus didn't actually, you know, float up to heaven. Right. Yeah. The thing cool. is, uh, the guy who wrote the book apparently believes that the stuff he's writing is true, apart from the his, uh, from the fictional wrapping. Does he? How do you know that? Um, I'm I've, sort of I've read that somewhere. I can't no. remember. Um, now, the book is, like, every chapter begins with a set of facts, right? Um, and I, I'm not, again, I'm not far enough into it to know whether those facts uh, themselves constitute the entire case or just interesting data points which, by taken by themselves, don't prove anything, but he writes the, the in-between stuff, right, right, right? Or what? I don't know. I don't know. I do know that in Skeptical Inquirer, they had an article debunking the whole thing. Um, according to the uh, the Skeptical Inquirer article, uh, there's, see, there's this tomb in France where papers were supposed to have been found in a secret compartment. And they show a picture of the, the, the secret compartment that was, oh, it was supposed to be scrolls. They were supposed to be in the secret compartment. The compartment is too small for most things you'd consider scrolls. Uh, and also there, they, uh, cited evidence which leads to the, uh, interpretation that there was this occultist cult leader guy in France who concocted this story and faked up some evidence because right. he was going to claim, he's trying to prepare people with this uh, by, by spreading this rumor, trying to prepare people for somebody who claims descendant, descendancy from Christ right. to come out and claim, proclaim himself the new king of France. Yep. So that's the that's uh, that's that's okay. those uh, debunkings. But um, I'm reading the book, and it, you know, like I said, I got it because it pisses off Christians. And look forward. Uh, to your generally, opinion. I'm generally I'm pretty supportive of that. <laughs> Russell, do you want to do a news? Why sure. Or do you want to do an olds? Uh, what do we got? I don't know. Uh, well. Or? Sure, Falwell's always fun. What's Falwell up to? always fun. He's, dec- he's making plans for an evangelical revolution. What does that mean? I'm not sure how literally he wants to, us to interpret that. Sounds like terrorism. <laughs> Seeking to take advantage of the momentum from an election where moral values proved important to voters, the Reverend Jerry Falwell announced on Tuesday he has formed a new coalition to guide an evangelical revolution. Falwell, a religious broadcaster based in Lynchburg, Virginia, said the Faith and Values Coalition... Is anybody besides me disturbed by the fact that he's in Lynchburg? (laughs) (laughs) Faith and Values Coalition, yes. Sounds like a new name for the moral majority. Yeah. Uh Oh, there it is. Will be a 21st century resurrection Mm -hmm. of the moral majority. Right. The organization he founded in 1979. So here we go again. Once he can do it again. Falwell said 
he would serve as the coalition's national chairman for four years. He added that the new group's mission would be to lobby for anti-abortion conservatives to fill openings on the Supreme Court and lower courts, a constitutional amendment banning same-sex marriage, and the election of another George Bush-type conservative in 2008. We all, for the first time... How does Jerry talk? Gee, what do they call We all, for the first time, began to realize the potential of religious conservatives, particularly evangelicals, when something over 30 million of them went to the polls. And there are real demons, and they're really real, and they live in the underworld. And stuff. That I'm <laughs> quoting him from a video that I... That we had of Jerry Falwell Jeez. that we showed on our TV show. Yeah, there are really demons and they're really, really real. And it's me. <laughs> hey, that's what you have to assume if you assume that there's demons. <laughs> Sorry, Russell, go on. What were you going to say, Dennis? Second. Oh, ago? Well, what do you call it when you go shopping for the right uh, 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 judge and stuff? Mm-hmm. There's a there's a word for that when you go around. Uh, say, no, I don't want to go to that court. I don't want to go to that court because that won't give me the right uh, result. I need to... Right, this is something that lawyers would do mainly? Yeah, yeah. And Mm. people trying to escape a bad uh, judgment against them. Don't know. Shop around for the right judge. And basically, you know, this is the equivalent. We're going to stack the court with what we want. Yes, only this time there will be no shopping because this will be the Supreme Court. One size fits all. Hmm. Also, a decision by the Massachusetts Supreme Court allowing gay marriages helped energize our people, Falwell said. And when San Francisco Mayor Gavin Newsom began performing gay marriages, it really caught the attention of people of faith in this country. And what we have been saying could actually ha- could happen actually happened, he said. The timing could not have been better. Now I sound more like Forrest Gump. <laughs> that along with abortion Stupid issues is. and <laughs> terrorism issues. Gay marriages are kind of like chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Helped us to get our people awakened. So, yay. Boy. Awakened. Right. Of course, you know, that, that might lead some people to ask, would it be, would it have been better for them not to do that? Well, the answer is obviously no. You no. don't not do something just because the assholes of the world line up to say, well, you doing that is what got me off my keister yeah, to fight the, back. Of course. If it mobilized the assholes then, why wouldn't it mobilize the assholes later? Right. 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 Is that it? Two. Uh, that's it for that one. Um, oh, sorry, wait. Matthew Staver, founder of the conservative law group Liberty Council in Orlando, Florida, will be the coalition's vice chairman. Jonathan Falwell will be its executive director. Theologian Tim LaHaye will be the board chairman. Right. I wish I did believe in a God so I could pray for an extremely well-timed airplane crash. Yeah. Uh, did fossils inspire ancient flood legends? Many ancient and modern cultures have creation myths involving flood legends similar to the Bible story of Noah's Ark. Thinkers over the centuries, including Leonardo da Vinci, there's another da Vinci code reference, (laughs) have debated whether these stories were true. In the past few years, it has become popular to believe they were. 
that a primordial flood really happened. Recent studies claim to back up the notion scientifically. For instance, there are findings that a titanic flood created the Black Sea in the Middle East 7,500 years ago. You've heard of that, oh, right? Yeah, sure. Of people saying, well, you know, that's where all these flood myths came from. Could be. But a better explanation may exist, a physicist says. Fossils of ancient fish and marine organisms are often found high in mountains due to the movement of rocks through geological processes. The physicist Richard K. Jack says these fossils could have inspired people to believe the areas were once flooded. Sure. I've thought of this before, but apparently this is news because uh, he uh, wrote this in the... Let's see, Jack published this hypothesis hypothesis in the June issue of the journal Antiquity. Cool. It's straightforward and logical, man. Makes sense. Right. But which is not, you know, I mean, to me, I I think he's right. And I think that the the occurrence of actual floods is ju- just what gives people the idea to put two and two together. Right. Right? Well, we know w- that waters can rise, and when they recede, they leave, like, shells and things mm-hmm. that have been washed up. And, that you know, that there have been huge floods just right. means huge examples for people to turn right. to. and here's shells and stuff on the top of this mountain. Right, so, but yeah. there'd have to be, there would have to actually be um, evidence uh, that they had to explain, I would right. think, in order for them to... And put those, and those shells would be the evidence. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, cool. So cool. Uh, I felt a little nervous about reading that story though, because this is a physicist commenting on like geology and and uh, well, commenting and, on, uh, on geology and stuff. Well, what what uh, it, it's a physicist he, commenting on human nature as to what he, humans. Think the point is, he's out of his field. He's out of his field. Yeah, he's out of his field. But still, I mean, I. I think that makes sense. perfect sense. Dennis? Yeah, well, let's see. What have I got? Uh, Dunno. Ah, here's an interesting story. Uh, UN near showdown on PAC to ban stem cell study. Um, Talks at the United Nations appear to have failed to avert a new UN confrontation over U.S.-led drive to ban all cloning of human embryos, included including for stem cell research, diplomats said on Thursday. As a result, a General Assembly panel is headed for a closed vote next week on a plan for an anti-cloning treaty put forward by the United States and Costa Rica. Oh. Yeah, let's stand in the way of advances. Uh, the only, the, the good thing about this as I seem to, I, I recall reading a story later yeah. that, that said that this was defeated. That the oh. attempt to ban the stuff was defeated. Are you sure that, that, was, that you read a story that said it was defeated? I'm pretty certain I read a story that said it was defeated. <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm certain. I'm not going to say I'm one Because uh, I don't the, have it sitting here in front of me. We need the news. All right. Um, well, let's hope that it was. Uh, maybe somebody in the chat room yes, can inform us. Nice. Was that that uh, uh, very, very recent effort, like in the last few days, to um, to uh, pass a global treaty against human stem cell research? Mm-hmm. Was that defeated or not? And, Russell, your turn for news. Mm-hmm. Got to keep the people informed out there. At some point, I'd like to do a big update on the Uthypro project. 
Okay. But, uh, we can do that now. It doesn't now. have to be immediate. We can do it now. Okay. This What's is the gonna, update? This is going to hopefully lead to a big discussion. What's new in this thing that that Plato wrote about Socrates over 2,000 years ago? Ah, well, he's <laughs> arisen from the dead and written a sequel. Really? Yeah. Cool. No, uh... First of all, uh, the com has been registered, and it is currently online. It has one page to it, which is <laughs> an essay that I wrote uh, with by basically plagiarizing Jeff's uh, rant last week about cool. why it's necessary. Right. So uh, his excellently crafted uh, demagogical speech. Okay, yeah. Um, so that's up there, and I think you guys should check it out and start spreading it among your friends. Yes, uh, start linking to it. Start yeah, linking to it now. do that, because the idea here is that when anybody types in Euthyphro into a search engine... We want within, ours on top. ...within the air, we're going to be the first one that, uh, that does that. That's so our goal. if anybody has ideas on how to make that work faster... Email me, please. Uh, well, you can bribe Google, sure. Yeah, there's 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 uh, <laughs> services you can register with that will submit your sites to the big engines. That's true. So, um, the other thing that happened is that I was taking the Euthyphro project arguments out for a test drive this week. Really? I posted this essay that uh, we sort of wrote. Uh, on my favorite message board system, the Motley Fool Boards, mm-hmm. and uh, got into several big arguments about it. Now, let me remind people that the idea behind the Euthyphro Project is to get the meme out there that God cannot be the source of morality. Right. right. Does anybody else want to explain that? Uh, let me take it from there. Yeah. Uh, because if God just made up the rules, then they have no ultimate validity. It's God just made them up. They're arbitrary. He could just as well say tomorrow, hmm, you know, that murder thing, I'm actually going to say that's okay now. Right? Or it's it's a positive thing to poke out the eyes of small children. That that, that becomes possible and that undermines the idea that morality has any absolute validity. Right. Particularly since, you know, you may have to remind Christians when you bring that point up that they believe their God has changed his mind in the past. Right. That is the whole Old Testament, New Testament thing. Right. They cannot get around that. God changes his mind about shit according to their religion. Therefore, morality could change tomorrow if he just makes it up. Or, if he didn't make it up, if it's just absolutely true in some ultimate sense, that he is simply reporting to us, then he's not the source of it. He's just a guy that told us about it. Right. And that means he's not essential to the equation when people try to be moral. Now, when you were were describing the first half of that thing, saying, you know, he can't be the ultimate source, Christians will say, oh, but yes, he is the ultimate, you know, the, the ultimate source. Well, there they're just kind of describing the other half of the of the of the thing, saying no, it is absolute. He's 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 describing this, but no. Now they're now they're going on about it being uh, uh, the that uh, that I'm confused. Never mind. He's looking at me <laughs> you, funny. You did you did lose me there. Um, if they if, the, if Christians try to defend their beliefs 
their the, their belief that their god is the source of morality yeah. by saying, well, oh no, there's a third option, and the third option it's God's nature, right? Right, that God's nature is the source of good and evil. All they've done is they put off the question one more step. Mm-hmm. Then you simply have to ask them, okay, where did God's nature came from? Come from? If he somehow created his own nature, then it's arbitrary. It's just as right. arbitrary as if he was creating the morality directly, right? Yeah. That's putting it back one step doesn't does, change does the thing. Does God choose his nature or not? Right. If he doesn't choose his own nature, then again, he's not the author of it. Whatever it is that is the reason why he's got the nature he's got, that is the source of morality and not him. Right. Yeah. And that's even accepting the argument that his nature has anything the hell to do with morality. Right? Right. Because just because there was some... Uh, even if they are willing to accept, which Christians won't, right? It destroys Christianity. But even if they were willing to accept that something higher than God or something more primordial than God determined what his nature was going to be, just because it determined what their God's nature was going to be doesn't mean that that, therefore, what his nature says constitutes an absolute morality. Why would it? You know? Right. It could be. It could be that that some more ancient, more primordial, more primal thing determined their god's nature, and their god's nature happens to not be very moral. Could be. Anyway, so um, cool. Okay. Part well, of the point of this is to get that down to a smaller soundbite. So right. <laughs> yeah. So that we won't have to get in this big, um, lengthy <clears throat> philosophical discussion. Well, it, it will. It will get into the discussion. Yes. But what you know, that's why we've got to start now and start hammering on it. Right. Oh my God! This brings up something else. Can I can uh, I digress for a second? Yes. Anybody been listening to Air America lately? You know, mm-hmm. I I've gotten a little. Uh, I mean, I'm I've taken sort of a break from Air America Radio. They are running these commercials that make me want to rip out my own spleen. It's one of many. Some sure. some rambling, stuck up asswipe. Doing this little commercial about lessons for silver citizenship. Oh my god. That guy, that guy cannot, he sounds like, you know, one of these, uh, I I take it he is uh, an African American. He sounds like a, uh, uh, you know, one of those deep voiced African American announcer types. That have beautiful, beautiful speaking voices. How long before you decide to make it a Bud Light? This right. is CNN. These yes. are cola nuts. Right, that kind of thing, right? <laughs> but he, he's talking like he's some kind of expert, but the sentences that he says make no sense. I've it's like Orson Welles. I'm Orson Welles. Popcorn... Butterscotch Farm Animal Canada. <laughs> it's like that. I can't even figure out what they're advertising. Can you? They have a website. Okay. If you go to their website, which I advise against, you will find it's a big, creepy, new age cult looking thing. Oh, no. Holy crap. Whoa, it scares the bejesus out of me. If Well, admittedly, there's not that much bejesus in me. But. What little there is. What little there is. <laughs> or maybe that's why. Maybe I got no Jesus in me on account of this. But uh, that's like the dumbest thing. There needs to people need to start a letter writing campaign to Air America to ask them, please, 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 exercise some editorial selection over the uh, over the the 
advertisements right, that they accept. It's not just that advertisement. Makes, it's that stupid hypnotist. That stupid hypnotist. That, that the lady hypnotist, the lady or hypnotist. do you mean the psychologist with his weight loss program? Oh, you mean the one who has done a um, let's see, a medically supervised An anecdotal study. Anecdotal. Those those ads make liberals look like such morons. It drives me crazy. You know, the problem is that some are. I mean, there's no getting around it. But that's where people in a position of, you know, guiding, leading, setting an example right. need to exercise some editorial judgment. Right. Well, um, my dad told me that uh, Adlai Stevenson, a former presidential candidate, was yeah. once in front of a room and they said to him, you have the vote of every thinking person in this country. And Adlai Stevenson said, that's not enough. I need a majority. Oh, very good. That's yeah. the problem. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. I need right. to get that off my chest. Go ahead, so, Russell. Back to the Euthyphro project. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe a lot of the point of this is to sort of confront the people who go around saying that uh, that the only standard of morality or values as this election was supposedly based on is getting it from God, and we're here to get in their face and point out that that's just not true. So after posting this, it sort of spawned off two kinds of arguments. One of them was the theist saying, yeah, huh, God is the source of moral values and arguing with me, and I have a good representative of that. Uh-huh. And, I, and then there was a separate argument amongst liberal atheists uh, saying, you know, the right way to deal with belligerent assholes is not to become belligerent assholes ourselves. It's to be more understanding of their assholism. This is about being more understanding about their assholism. You think so? I think so. This is not about belligerence. Where do they get the belligerence from? Well, because we're putting I mean, up a like website, we're belligerent? No. Or is it because I mean, we're disagreeing the, the, the with them? The tone of my essay was basically, you know, let's... You know, it's time to take. It's time to tell those people that they are not the keepers of morality. But, God damn it! All right, fine. If you said God damn it, you're belligerent. I didn't say God. Then you're not belligerent. I, I mean, there's nothing. It, it's. I felt belligerent when I typed it. Oh, wow. See, that's okay. how they win. They, they, they have demoralized you. You have your in fact, in fact, in the morally justified position. You are, we are right to point this out to them. And so pointing it out to them is not belligerence. Right. That was just one of the arguments. Okay. And I have, I have something that was written by uh, my good online imaginary friend, Sandra, uh-huh. uh, who is a real person. Just, uh, <laughs> okay. I've only seen her through her postings. Yeah. Um, and I asked her for permission to uh, read this on the air, and I also asked her if she would condense this into another essay that would constitute something else we can put on youthyproproject.com. Uh-huh. Uh, she is responding to this. I think that we lose the high ground of our own primary moral values of equal justice and liberty when we waste our time arguing past the point of restriction to the validity of the underlying beliefs. That's beside the point, and I think it's more destructive than helpful. In other words, if we make our argument, your beliefs are wrong, then we will piss them off and gain nothing. I don't agree. Okay, well, neither does Sandra. Okay. 
Sandra writes, They have their marching orders from God. As long as they believe that, as long as they have utter certainty that their own view of reality is the correct one and that God is the ultimate authority and that they owe their allegiance to him and his will, they will insist on the assertion of control over our lives. It will be a never-ending battle, or worse, a battle we can't win. For their truth trumps science, trumps reason, trumps civil rights, trumps women's rights, trumps even the concept of a humane society. They cannot, will not cease attempting to seize total power, and we will have no arguments to use against them. Their argument, their armor of perceived invincibility is their certainty. We are the ones who know that we do not know. We are the ones convinced that tolerance is a virtue. We are the ones, therefore, without the armor of certainty and without any weapons to penetrate that armor, unless we can remove their certainty. You suggest that at the point when the, when the line is crossed, we ought to dig in our heels, but not by attacking their religious beliefs, but it is precisely those beliefs which allow them to rebuff any rational arguments we, we may present as we dig in our heels. We might say, look, the zygote isn't a human being. Obviously, it has no brain. It has no central nervous system. It's incapable of even uh, autonomous reflex. And they will answer, but it has a soul. I know this for a fact because God tells us so, and therefore abortion is murder, and nothing you can say will convince me otherwise. Nothing which observation or reason can prefer, no appeal to humanity or compassion or science will make me defy God's will. God says I must prevent you from killing babies, so I will make abortion illegal. As long as we grant them the underpinnings of their worldview, as long as we say, of course, you might be right, and there might be a God who has forbidden those things, and the Bible may well be his literal command to us, we're lost. How do we dig in our heels if not with the proffer of reason and science and the arguments which show that their belief system is, when held with utter certainty, inhumane and irrational and restricts the rights of humans to act according to their own best interests? How do we battle against the ignorance without calling it by name? How do we gain permission from those who believe that we do not believe, nevertheless belong to their God, and ought to be subject to the same rules under which they wish to live as we wish? Uh, uh, (laughs) In what manner shall we assert our human and civil rights at the point at which they have the physical and legal power to prevent it? How do we prevent arriving at such a point without grounding our arguments in defense of civil and human rights and reason? Are you suggesting that our arguments should be grounded instead in religion? Religion has already decided these matters. Under theocracy, human and civil rights are trumped by our duty to God. Under theology, we have no human or civil rights unless granted explicitly by God. What is the method you envision which will take the place of confronting irrationality with rationality and superstition with science? How precisely can we dig in our heels, unarmed by reason and science, against those armed with certainty that they cannot possibly be wrong in obeying their God and that they are doing good in depriving non-believers of their human and civil rights? What are our weapons other than our heels? Right. Mm. The answer is this. And other things like this, but this is the one that we picked, right? Right. Um... And, uh, you know, I, I want to bring up a point. Um, there's been a lot of buzz in the media lately about with people coming out saying, 
ah, you know, this interpretation that the fundamentalists are are mostly responsible for putting Bush in the White House, ah, that, you know, you, the, these these exit polls about values and things were badly applied or badly written, and you can't necessarily draw that conclusion from them, blah 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 Um, the paranoid part of me sa- that says... You know, that's exactly what they would want me to think. Right. But, yeah. but um, setting that aside, in defense of this effort, the Euthyphro Project effort, or Euthyphro Project, that's, by the way, first assignment for all uh, supporters of, the, uh, of this project. Somebody, please, somewhere, find out for sure how you pronounce the damn word. Because Definitively. Euthyphro, Euthyphro. I, fe- I saw Euthyphro. Euthyphro. Yeah. We need, we need a definition. When you send me the definition you found, please tell me what the source was and why we should take that source seriously. And right? we're going to make a recording that you can click on. Yes, of one of us saying the word the way it is properly pronounced. <laughs> That I really think we got to get over that hurdle before yeah. we can start going after um, fundamentalists with it. But in defense of the project in general, even if it's true that the fundamentalists themselves are not solely responsible for putting Bush in the White House, all that means is, well, maybe the the one to three percent of fundamentalists we were hoping to reach with our message and and convince with our message, maybe it won't be enough, right? Maybe it won't be enough to make that big, of, uh, that, or that maybe that 1% to 3% won't be enough to sway the next election. But this is not the only effort going on, right? There are other right. people trying all kinds of other tacks to make a dent in the Republican uh, voting machine, and uh, and we're doing you know, our we're doing our part, and I'm still convinced that as atheists, this is our strength. We are the ones who can make this argument. Liberal Christians, who are our allies as far as the as far as, as voting is concerned, right. they cannot be expected to make this argument. This is our territory. This is our expertise. So. Um, I think it's still worth it. Yeah, and that that was, was an excellent letter. You're having her write that up as a yes. Another an thing she said that I thought was in the post, but wasn't. Yeah, uh, it must have been a different post. Was yeah. when she was talking about abortion, she said, "A liberal will say to a conservative, you know, I understand your opinion and respect it, and uh, I understand that you think it's murder, and I want to be sensitive to your beliefs." Whereas the uh, pro-lifer will say. Well, I understand that you don't think it's murder. Tough. I'm still going to outlaw it. That's the right, basic. Right, right. And where, no liberal, li- where liberals need to get to is, fuck you, we've had this debate in our country, we have passed a law, until you got some proof that the law we've got is wrong. Not just your religious claims, but some act- actual proof that that's a human being, then we've already had a consensus in our country where that we were going to draw that line. It's drawn back off. And we're going to defend it even in spite of the fact that it annoys you. Yeah, of course, uh, it's entirely possible that it will be overturned within the next four years. Well, we'll find out. Yeah, we will. 
Um, do you want to go on, uh, switch to something else, or do you want me to go on to the other type of argument I had? Uh, let's stick uh, with the with the project for now because right. um, we we should. I think we should keep that all, right. all in one. This, this was after a very long argument with theists, okay. uh, culminating in what I think was probably the be- their best argument that okay. I've seen. All right. Uh, it started with me saying, "Okay, so you say that God is good." And that sounds like you're making a value judgment. You so, said that? Yes. Okay. So my question for you is, according to what standard is God good, and where did that standard come from? Mm. Okay. The response, and uh, this guy... That's, that's basically guy the reflection of the Ethibro. ...is a theist and a biologist and a really smart guy. I've had like arguments mm-hmm. side by side with him in favor of our evolution against other theists. But uh-huh. he's... He's doggedly committed to the morals issue, and that's why he's still a theist. Uh huh. Um, I'll take a stab at identifying these standards from a theistic point of view. In the creation stories of Genesis, God repeatedly declares the universe as being good, the implication being that goodness is inherent in the fabric of the universe and can be uncovered by the same rules of reason upon which the universe is based. In essence, God created good when creating the universe. This creates some constraints upon God, for to arbitrarily change what is good would require changing the nature of the universe. From this, I believe that an important aspect of morality can be rationally and empirically derived, making reason one standard for defining goodness. However, there's another aspect that requires more direct divine interaction. I believe morality also requires empathy and sympathy, love thy neighbor as thyself, which I consider to be non-rational emotions. The foundation of empathy... Okay. Yeah. The foundation of empathy is love, a gift of God and a direct experience of God's nature. God is love, as stated in the New Testament. For a Christian, love should be the basis and the guiding principle of moral law, providing the most important standard for what is good. Yes, yes. Co-opt everything. Uh-huh. In support, I note the remarkable, at least to me, observation that the ideal society for humans is turning out to be one based on a respect for individual freedom and those seemingly intuitive sets of rules known as human rights. That experience and reason should converge into a model of social structure that intuitively feels humane seems to me a remarkable coincidence, and not one that one would expect to develop from impersonal, random mutation, and unforgiving natural selection. All right, Bob, here's my responses. You sent All this right. to me, and we sort of talked about it on the phone, but I've just been taking well, some notes during really. this. Well, you just said read my email, which, and, and, which was and one we, paragraph. Yeah, I've, I've got, uh, I've, I took notes here, and I've been thinking specifically about this. Okay, um, just moving the goalposts. Just moving the goalposts. Who the f cares that the God created the universe? Then create and if and that you know that okay, so fine. Goodness is inherent in the universe. If the God created it, God created the standard of goodness by which. I, and I wish you wouldn't go there. I wish you would just talk about morality in general because it's about goodness and badness. It's about where that line is between the two, right? right. Not just defending goodness, but but defending where they draw the line. Um, if the God created the universe, 
and goodness is inherent in the universe, then the God created goodness, created morality, and it's arbitrary. He tries to defend this from the accusation that it's arbitrary by, by insinuating that it makes it difficult for God because he'd have to change the universe in order to, to change goodness. Well, what the, where the hell does he get that from? Omnipotent. Right. There is no such thing as something that makes something difficult for God. Hmm. No such thing. Omnipotence. Right. This guy worships some less than omnipotent God. And so he ought to stop calling himself a Christian. He's got a different religion than that. Um, and this bullcrap about his remarkable observation that society oh, yeah, feels that humane, you know, I bet you some peasant living in uh, Egypt in you know, 4004 B.C. would have said, well, yeah, seems fair. The pharaoh... Uh, is, you know, after all, the son of God, or descended from gods. And it's a remarkable coincidence that I happen to have been born a peasant, which is just the right state of things to be. Yeah, and any, in any time period, what you, what is very striking is that there is always a tiny fringe minority of people who say, this is not fair enough. And it's through the efforts of those people and a slow accumulation of rights over time mm-hmm. driven by that fringe that we have gotten to where we're at. Not It is not like if you went back in time, everybody would be sitting around going, oh, crap, this is all so unfair, and having no idea what to do about it. Right. it the history would have been constant revolution, and it isn't. So that's absolutely ridiculous. Hmm. So that guy's full of shit. Yeah. Okay. Well, so these are the kinds of arguments you're going to run into. Yes. Right. And one of the things and one of the things we're going to do on the website is we're going to start stockpiling the the like a fact, right? But the fact will be frequently asked. Questions. We need a frequently cited defenses, which doesn't make a good doesn't make a good acronym that we can say. But we need to we need to come up with something like that and stockpile these so everybody has the ammunition. It seems like that guy's argument was trying to have its cake and eat it too. He was saying that the God created that because the God created the universe Uh and the universe was good. Yeah. Okay, that's arbitrary, right? But then he turns around and says. No, it really is good, and so God because created, he created real it goodness. to be that way. But he's right. dodged and the question. He's dodged the question. He just goes around in a circle. Right. And let's let's say yeah. uh, again. If you use the word goodness, I think that clouds the issue. Yeah. You have to say morality, right? That that God created the universe and morality, the moral uh, structure structure was inherent in the universe. Mm-hmm. But wait a minute. But what makes that structure that the God created a valid moral structure? Just because he did it, if it's just because he did it, he created it, it's arbitrary, that's arbitrary. and it's, that's not valid. If he had some outside source that he referred to that was in, just inherently good, well, maybe. Maybe it could be good then, but and then, that, he goes, then well, we he's just copying something. And see that it is good, and, and then he's just going, ah, uh, oh, then God's not responsible for it. If you can, if you can determine oh, no, it no, rationally, no, 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 but God created it. But but see, he said the God matter. created it. No, it doesn't matter because what you're looking at is the universe. He's saying if you look at the universe, you see that it is good. Right. He gave God credit for it being good, 
right? Right. But he's saying it's really good because when you look at it, you find that it's good. The problem is human beings are actually remarkably poor at determining yes. the difference between morally good and morally bad. You know, again, there's that whole historical argument. Plus, um, oh, crap, I had another point. If I Sorry. lost it. Um, uh, and it's not quite having it both ways. It's, it's, um, having it both ways would be arguing, well, um, God made up the standards of right and wrong, but they're the rights, they're, yes. they're, they're independently the right standards. Right. Right. What the hell but, is that? <laughs> that's trying to have your cake and eat it too. Yeah, that's right. that's trying to take right. both sides of the cipher dilemma and say this is how it. Yeah. Right. And the problem with that would be, well, um, no, it's one. Or in other. order for the god to make up a set of moral standards that was that was objectively really validly moral, there would have to be a, a really objective right moral validity out there for him to match. Right. And then we're back at the other side of the dilemma. So but even that doesn't work. didn't said there wasn't an external standard. He said that's just the way this universe turned out, that being nice to people happened right. to be moral. Um, well, except that he gives his God credit for it, which puts it in the God-made-it-up camp. Right. So <sighs> They're going to do that. They're going to weasel really like man. playing both sides of the issue. Yeah. I mean... All no, right. It's it's either right. but, yeah, made but, it up what they're or trying there to Okay, standard. here's play, he's playing both sides of the issue in as much as he's trying to argue that God can create objective validity. Right. The problem is if you've got an ob- uh, omnipotent creator god whose stuff he makes up is just whatever he feels like making up, then objective validity isn't objective validity. It's just what we happen to see that was created Right, it's a uh, subjective validity. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just what we happen to see that is no less um, subjective, no less arbitrary than if it had been right. the universe rolled on is arbitrary. Ice. Yeah. Whew. Okay. Man. Cool. And is that it for Youth Pro Project stuff? That's all I've got. Do we? Uh, did we not uh, give everybody a uh, a homework assignment last week? We did, didn't we? I don't remember. I believe I believe that, that I asked people to write essays and set up web pages and stuff. Um, let me be a little well, bit more specific. Have, yeah. Let me be a little bit more specific. Okay, yeah. this week your homework assignment is, folks listening to the show, please, and we will, you know, we will mention your name if you do this for us and uh, and uh, and send us an email. Right, we will mention you on the show and thank you personally. Yeah. Please. On your web page, or any web pages you have access to where you have the authority to do this, link to youthofroproject.com. Okay, Neutron Jack is complaining. I'm never going to remember the name of that, which is just what I said last week. Uh, shall we... Well, the way, that, the way we get around that problem is, right now, you write it down. It's in the chat room. You write it down. You set up a link. And then we've made it that much less necessary for people to actually remember it. They will stumble across links and follow those. And if you're not in the chat room <coughs> now, later you can go to www.atheist-community.org. Right, and read the log. Radio show and read the chat log. And um, can I spell it now? Yes. E U T H R. No, what you? Uh, no, no, okay. no. Let me go. E U T H Y P H R O project. 
all one word strung together. Dennis, do you want to take a shot at spelling it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I recognize that that's important, but I think we need to swallow that, uh, so. swallow that difficulty and accept it and move on and deal with it because what we're doing here is, for dumb people, going to constitute, to a certain degree, argument from authority, right? We need mm-hmm. to reference the fact that we're talking Plato and Socrates here. It's important that we get their na- we drop those big scary names. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Beanham is asking. Yeah. For the devil's advocate position. Yeah. Would be that God is perfect, but that is humanity job humanity's job to discover and embody good. Uh, uh, would it, it would uh, mm-hmm. okay. Devil's advocate position is that God is perfect, but that humanity's job is to discover and embody God. Okay, what, where um, the response to that is? <clears throat> what do you mean God's perfect? By what standard? It doesn't mean anything to say that God is perfect. I mean, right. compared and of course to what? They fall back on the "well, we can't understand God" argument. Because you know, exactly then I can happened. then I can use him to glue two pieces of wood together. Because there are a pr- there are there are uh, there are good adhesives for wood, and there are bad adhesives for wood. If God is perfect in every respect, he would make a really really good wood glue. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> You can't just say you can't just blurt out perfect and have it mean everything. He would also be less filling and taste great. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, and you could you know you could uh, you could consume him and then operate motor vehicles. So, uh, yeah, that that um, I would agree that it is humanity's job to discover. Um, Things we call morality and try to implement it in our society, right? But putting God in the picture and claiming that he's the source of the thing. The source of the thing. Here, let's get our positive comment on this out, right? Because it's it's not going to be enough just to say that the Christian claim that morality comes from God is false and unworkable. We have to follow it up with a positive replacement. And the positive replacement is morality is our set of guidelines we set that we uh, concoct for ourselves for the purpose of figuring out how to get along together. Right. To, uh, you know, to everybody's um, satisfaction. And that is why we have moved from societies where there was the god king, Pharaoh, and the peasants that got to build pyramids with only a you know, loaf of bread and beer every day, right? right? I mean, that that's why we've moved from there to here. It's not because God set it up and we're uncovering some some uh objectively true truth. We are uncovering subject subjectively workable principles. That's morality. That work in the sense that they make our lives feel better to yes. us. Yes. That's their, that's their job. Yeah. Uh, Rude Boy is now a, an official friend of the Euthyphro Project, as he's told us that he's going to link it tonight. Awesome! Yay, Rude Boy! Of course, you know, we shouldn't thank him until he's actually done it so and sent us an email <laughs> telling us what webpage it is so we can go look and see and try the link ourselves. That's right. 
Okay. Uh, Dennis, why don't you, I've had plenty to say about Euthyphro. Why don't you go on to some news? All right. Let's see what we got. Uh, oh, those evil, liberal, anti-religious ACLU guys? Yeah. Damn them. Guess what they're up to? Uh, I don't know. Well, in uh, Las Vegas, uh-huh. the Las Vegas crowd is trying to get the street preachers off the uh, off the streets. Uh huh. They uh, say it interferes with their business. They don't like you know bunch of street preachers out there you know telling people to clean up their acts and not gamble and not uh, not drink and not and not go with and basically not do everything that Las Vegas is there to provide. Uh huh. So wait, um, uh, I've never been to Las Vegas. Is it that prostitution is legal outside city limits? Is that correct? No, no. It's inside city limits. Uh, yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. All right. Damn, all right. I thought I'd, I, I thought probably, I'd heard. The I thought I'd heard. Are you actually that I there was some that all division? Of Nevada. Wow. It's legal. Right. Sure. Yeah. I thought it was all of Nevada except uh, not inside. Okay, the... I'll look it up. I don't know. But anyway, what the ACLU is doing yeah. is defending the street preachers. Gee. Yeah. Uh, odd, you know, uh, them being so anti-religious and all that, uh, <laughs> anti-conservative and stuff, them being all liberal and stuff. Why uh-huh. would they def- defend street preachers? Well, it's a freedom of speech issue. Right. Freedom of speech doesn't really matter who's talking. Right. Uh, let's see. Uh, the way the American Civil Liberties Union sees it, the First Amendment was made for nights like this. The organization in recent months has turned a small band of street preachers into unlikely symbols of free speech, fighting sometimes in noisy confrontations with police and casinos for the preacher's right to spread the gospel on the Las Vegas Strip. Ah, uh, hello. What? What? State law forbids counties with high populations from legalizing brothels, so uh, prostitution is illegal in Las mm. Vegas, Reno, Carson City, and Lake Tahoe. Wait, brothels are illegal? Yeah, I think that's the same thing. No. Some hooker just walking around, meeting people, and going well, back to their hotel I don't know what the law actually reads. We've got to... <laughs> Well, anyway... Well, he found says, an article on it. <laughs> it says that prostitution is illegal okay. in the big cities... All right. But other counties may license brothels while street solicitation is illegal. So you have to be like ah. a member. All right. The alliance is awkward. Good for them. For those who are considering that as a career option. Right. Yeah. And if you are considering that as a career option, also consider linking from your prostitution <laughs> website, from your brothels website to youthifroproject.com. And Go on, try Dennis. screaming right. that while you're having an orgasm. You're like your project! <laughs> no. Uh, goes on to say, the alliance is awkward. The preachers openly despise the ACLU, which they view as an insufferably liberal institution. The ACLU doesn't think much of the preachers' <laughs> condemnation of fornicators, Democrats, women who seek abortions, and people who have not accepted Christ as their savior. And the Las Vegas establishment doesn't think much of the whole issue. Evangelical preachers bellowing about homos, porno freaks, and the devil doesn't fit with the city's anything-goes marketing scheme. But the ACLU forged ahead because the organization said a long percolating dispute between the casinos and the preachers threatened the quintessential American value for free expression, the sidewalk. I have the answer. I have the answer. And this might be, speaking of career options. What's that? (laughs) <laughs> We're all laughing already. I haven't said anything yet. 
rationalist gunslingers. And what I mean by that is gunslingers with quotation marks around it. Get, go to these establishments that are annoyed by the presence of street preachers, right? Hire yourself out to them as a debater mm-hmm. to engage the street preachers out on the street. And ridicule and, them. And keep them busy, right? <laughs> that, I think, is a, that is a, that could be a career. Yeah, I would do, do that, that if, if I, I could make money at it. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be interesting. So, um... Yeah, those who are really good at arguing, yeah. you might suggest it to some of the casinos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is, it's 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 there is not no exactly it's not completely <laughs> simple. Uh, uh, courts have long held that sidewalks are constitutionally protected forms for public opinion. Generally, uh-huh. as long as people are doing things that are otherwise legal, they yeah. can do it on the sidewalk. Yeah. Vegas being Vegas, however, it's not that simple. In 1993, the city was forced to widen portions of Las Vegas Boulevard, including the two-mile strip that runs along the themed casinos. Yeah. New sidewalks had to be built on private property in front of casinos, Ooh. which increasingly attempted to control activity on the, si- on the walkways. Uh-huh. Uh, following, the following year, after 500 labor, labor protesters were arrested for trespassing because the MGM complaint, several libertarians launched their fight. Eventually, the fight led to a lawsuit against the casinos, and in 2001, a federal appellate court sided with a different group of labor protesters, ruling that the sidewalks in front of the Venetian Casino Resort was a public forum, even though it was on private property. Well, wait a minute. What the court said, basically, is that if it looks like a sidewalk, and it smells like a sidewalk, and it functions like a sidewalk, then by golly, it's a public sidewalk. Wow. I don't like that. (laughs) That, because... Because, like, if I live in a house and there's a, 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 from the sidewalk to my front steps, there's a little concrete path. That's that not a sidewalk. Looks and functions like a sidewalk. It's not a sidewalk. That's a walkway to your house. The sidewalk is the thing that goes in front down the street. Hmm. That's the public sidewalk. Hmm. For anyone who's interested, there is an actual fact page uh, at LasVegas.com, which answers the question whether prostitution is legal. Oh, mm. cool. No. You'd, you'd expect to find that but, there. But does it answer the question, is rationalist uh, gu- gunslinging legal? Oh, well, I mean, oh, sure you know, it, would be. it looks like a sidewalk. <laughs> That's right. All right. Free speech, you know. Russell, do a news. Okay. Uh, I'm sure we've all heard this already and had a good laugh over it, but oh the uh, Virgin Mary sandwich was put back on eBay this week. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, and the top bidding reached over $16,000 in the second round. Uh, for some background, the people at eBay were no believers in this cheesy miracle. You, Half eBay. of a 10-year-old grilled cheese sandwich whose owner claimed it bore the image of the Virgin Mary. You guys have looked at the picture. Yes, I've looked at the, the picture. picture, and yeah, I see what they're uh, talking about. Jenny said, no, it doesn't. It looks like Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Diana Dweiser, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Well, Marilyn Monroe, who is actually more likely to be caught in a sandwich. Yes, but... Le- <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or Marilyn was when Monroe she was alive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Diana Dweiser put the sandwich up for sale last week, drawing bids as high as $22,000 before eBay pulled the item down Sunday night. 
The page was viewed nearly 100,000 times before being taken down, although I'll guarantee you that was not 100,000 prospective buyers. It was Uh 100,000 people following the link to have a good chuckle. Right. (laughs) An email Twicer received from eBay said the sandwich broke its policy, which does not allow listings that are intended as jokes. But Dweiser, a jewelry designer who has bought and sold items on eBay for two years, insisted this was not a laughing matter. How could eBay do this to me, Dweiser said one day, hours before the online auction was supposed to be. Because you're a moron. Have a brain in their head. On Tuesday, the website allowed bidding to resume with the top offer reaching over $16,000. Bidding is scheduled to end Monday. Company spokesman Hani Dursey said the listing was mistakenly removed because officials doubted whether Dweiser could deliver the product. After looking at it a second time, there's nothing to indicate that the seller isn't willing to give up this cheese sandwich to the highest bidder, he said. We're going to allow it to stay up. Uh, we could go check eBay right now and see uh, what the current bid is. Okay. Uh, I, I think just... we need to start fabricating our own uh, stuff, you know. <laughs> Dweiser, 52, said she took a bite after making it 10 years ago and then saw a face staring back at her from the bread. She put the sandwich in a clear plastic box with cotton balls and kept it on her nightstand. At first, she was scared by the image. But now that I realize how unique it is, I wanted to share it with the world, Dweiser said, and not incidentally make thousands of dollars. So what will it be next? I I saw Jesus in my urinal case. (laughs) (laughs) The sandwich, she added... Has never sprouted a spore of mold. Uh huh. I'll check on the bidding right now. Okay. Wow. I'll do a news. Uh, how are we doing on time? We have uh, oh, 20 minutes. Hour. Okay, 20, 20 minutes. minutes. Yeah. Near death experiences change the brain. Really? Some people who That's come the near the point of death due to injuries or illness claim the experience has changed their lives. They report spiritual findings, newfound peace of mind, or both. Researchers may found how the brain reflects these changes. Accident victims fitting this description displayed unusual brain patterns in their left temporal lobe, the region near the temple, University of Arizona researchers write in the April Psychological Science. Whoa. The changes associated with, quote, positive coping styles may stem from oxygen deprivation during the brush with death, they write. The patterns also resembled those found in some epileptics, they add, consistent with reports that seizures can induce mystical visions. Wow. So near-death experiences themselves cause minor brain damage in an area with the result of actually making you... uh, giving the the subject a perceived benefit because I don't know if there's been a study of whether this positive change in their lives that they report actually has any external uh, effect. This is awesome. (laughs) What? Well, I haven't found the actual item, but you can now, if you go to eBay and search for Virgin Mary Sandwich, buy a t-shirt with a picture of the sandwich on it. (laughs) (laughs) Who are the two guys? What? (laughs) I might have to one. (laughs) Oh my gosh. What the heck is that? No, that's not the actual thing. That's not the picture that I've seen. No. That is the no. One. Or if it is, or if it is, it has been doctored. Okay. 
Okay. Because, yeah. Because it's not that clear no. in the original. No, no, All right. <clears throat> Near-death experiences. Blah, blah, blah. All right, we're all staring at the at Russell's screen Sorry. now instead of doing the show. Yeah. Uh, Dennis? All right. something for us? Okay, uh, a homecoming tradition mm-hmm. in which boys dress like girls and vice versa in a tiny Texas school district won't be held Wednesday after a parent complained about what she regarded as the event's homosexual overtones. The hell? As a substitute for twerp day, the school's ranging from elementary to senior high, decided to hold camo day with black boots and army fatigues to be worn by everyone no. who wants to participate. No. Yes, they caved. Twerp, camo which, day? Camo day, sure. Twerp, which stands for The Woman is Requested to Pay, was hosted by Spurger Schools for <clears throat> years during homecoming week to give boys and girls a chance to reverse social roles and let older girls invite boys on dates, open doors, and pay for sodas. Plano-based is Liberty... Spurger Schools is not a Spurger Schools, because that's... Um, a Spurger Syndrome is what the guy had in uh, Beautiful Mind. Right. <laughs> Plano-based Liberty Legal Institute issued a news release Tuesday reporting that it came to the aid of a concerned parent over an official cross-dressing day in the school district 150 miles northeast of Houston. It is outrageous that a school in a small town in East Texas would encourage their four-year-olds to cross to be cross-dressers. Liberty Legal Institute. They're encouraging boys and girls to be more understanding of each other's roles. Yeah. What now? It's now it's somehow immoral to try to have compassion and understanding of other people. Well, if it requires dressing up like them, yeah, apparently <laughs> it's immoral. And I didn't hear anything in the description <laughs> that said it, you're required to dress up. No, there's no requirement. Uh, uh, What's wrong with people? They're they're idiots. Uh, Tanner T. Hunt Jr., the school's district attorney, called uh, Sasser's statement inflammatory and misleading. He said the district never planned on conducting a cross-dressing day. They are a tiny little East Texas school district. It never occurred to them that anyone would find... Uh, anything morally reprehensible about Twerp Day. I mean, they've been having it for years, probably for generations. It's the first time anybody has complained. Delana Davies, 33, said she complained after reading a school notice about Twerp Day. Davies, whose nine-year-old son and four-year-old daughter attended Sperger Elementary, said she viewed the day not as a silly homecoming week activity, but rather something related to homosexuality. It's like experimenting with drugs, Davies says. You just keep playing with it and it becomes customary. If it's okay to dress like a girl today, then why is it not okay in the future? Here's a clue. If a school wants to have if a school wants to have a homosexuality day, it would be a day when kids are encouraged to have sex with a classmate of the opposite gender. Of the same gender, sorry. Right. right? That would be that would constitute a homosexuality promotion day. Right. You idiots. Oh, or at least or at least like look at naked pictures of people of the same gender as you. I mean that there would be uh, <laughs> Angers me. Russell, you have some other crazy uh, news from the world of education. Have you not? Somebody complained. Can we have some more crazy education news? Principal is whipped to punish two teens. 
Ah, now that's more. Boy, he must have really been uh, responsible for what they did. Oh, yeah. This is in in Alaska. Uh Uh-huh. Matanuska Christian School's principal has been fired, and a teacher has quit over a disciplinary incident in which the principal had himself whipped in front of students. Damn. Principal Steve Unfried... Who said he was inspired in his brain fried in his choice of disciplinary tactics by the actions of Jesus asked teacher Joe Brost to whip him in front of two male students in the school's basement last month after the boys were kiss were caught kissing girls in the locker room for the second time in a week. Maybe it wasn't punishment. Maybe he just wanted a piece of the action. <laughs> <laughs> Like kissing? No, no. This is how it's done. <laughs> uh, now, this guy in the uh, article I read, this guy is just described as a strong Christian. Yes. Uh, unfried in an interview Friday. I'm not really probably pronouncing that right. Yeah, in an interview, uh, in an interview Friday at his home, acknowledged he should have called the boys' parents first, but expressed no regret. <laughs> yeah, uh, excuse me, no. excuse me. Uh, yeah, this is Principal Unfried. Your 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 boys. I'm afraid we caught them naked in the in the lunchroom. Uh, I'm gonna go down to the basement with them, take off my clothes, and have myself whipped in front of them. Doesn't <laughs> say anything about taking the clothes. His off. shirt came off. Come on, you oh. get whipped with your shirt on. I'm going to have myself whipped in front of your boys. Is that okay with you? <laughs> um, <laughs> the vision I had is the love of God can change everything, Unfried said. Yeah, remember what I was saying about if you're going to have a gay day, it would be you know encouraging kids to have sex with people of the same gender, or at least look at like naked yeah. pictures of them, or yeah. pictures of them with their shirts off being whipped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like oh, it's like drugs. You know, you get whipped. You want to do it once. You want to do it again. Ah, crap! I didn't bring the article. I found an article about a study which explains why people enjoy pain. Some people. Yeah. They're they're actually the part of the brain that tells the difference between pain and pleasure is very closely linked in the brain. Hmm. Wow, that interesting. That is why. So if it gets out of whack just a little bit... Then you've got somebody who enjoys the sensation of pain. Interesting. I, I would think that that would be dangerous from an evolutionary standpoint. Uh, yeah, but, you know, so is an appendix. Okay, I haven't read the circumstances of this story yet. When the, Actually, it's my turn. Didn't you just do the no, unfried story? I'm not finished. Oh, you're not doing that one. I'm sorry. Story. Go ahead. When the two seniors, 17 and 18, got caught kissing girls in front of a younger <laughs> in front of younger students in late October, Unfried said that while contemplating what discipline to hand out, he woke up at 3 a.m. and prayed how to avoid expelling them. He said that. That was when he remembered years ago that he had cured his son of chronic lying by telling his son to hit him with a wooden ladle instead of spanking the youngster. Later at school, Unfried walked to the walked the boys down to a basement room with Brost. He told them, "Guys, this has got to stop." He said, "I've let the atmosphere get too lax. I share in this discipline. This is a one-time deal." Then the principal took off his belt, gave it to Brost, and instructed the teacher to discipline me like you would discipline your own son. See, now his shirt had to come off if you're getting whipped, because that's how it's done. And if he took the belt off, the pants fell down. The guy's standing there, nothing more than his underwear. (laughs) 
it logically follows. Yeah. In related news, mm-hmm. why revenge feels good. A swish, a swish, swish. A swish. On me. A swish, swish brain. Shut up. Yes. Why are we in a good mood today? There's no justification for it. A Swiss brain imaging study now suggests that we get satisfaction from teaching people a lesson when they have behaved badly. These findings may at least partly explain why we reprimand people who have abused our trust or broken other social rules, even if doing so doesn't offer us any direct practical benefits. Dominique de Carvain of the University of Zurich and colleagues scanned the brain activity of male volunteers participating in a game exchanging money back and forth. If one player made a selfish choice instead of a mutually beneficial one, the other could penalize him. The majority of the players chose to impose the penalty even when it cost some of their own money. The researchers determined that deciding to impose this penalty activated a brain region, the dorsal striatum, involved in experiencing enjoyment or satisfaction. The findings are published in the, in the research journal Science. In a related commentary, Stanford University's Brian Knutson notes that future research will need to explore how this phenomenon may vary by gender and social group. I already knew that, actually. Did you? I've read uh, books on evolutionary psychology <coughs> that suggest that, uh, I mean, it also explains why people will rationalize stuff that's, uh, and, and even make themselves believe it. Because basically, if you want to fool somebody and it's a means of getting ahead in society, which mm-hmm. benefits you because uh, societally successful people breed more, right. then it's a good idea to convince yourself that the other person deserves to... to uh, so that's a feedback mechanism to get people to engage in that behavior. Exactly. Yeah. And of course, huh. the feedback mechanism is basically uh, built in by evolution because it it's beneficial to them. Right. Is that on the individual level or on the group selection level? Well, no, it's the individual level. Because the individual wants to uh, politic well. I mean, you know, play politics well amongst his peers, which helps them out-compete other people who might want to... There was another article I did not bring in. I should have just grabbed all the brain stuff. There was another article I didn't bring in talking about, um, uh, like, uh, just aggressive display behavior, right? They had a word for it that they used that sounds more like, you know, human behavior instead of animal behavior, but like, um, you know, pushing and shoving and, and, and acting out, uh, that, that, uh, it is being, uh, recognized now in animals. And the theory is that it's a, um, it's a, it's a mechanism for establishing your place in the social hierarchy. Mm-hmm. I guess we knew that already, but there, there was some study that made it a little clearer. Dennis, news. News. Um, <clears throat> this 
see U.S. US bishops pick leader from bankrupt di dioceses. Uh, Bishop William S. Skyslad of Spokane, Washington, who plans to declare his diocese in bankruptcy because of sexual abuse claims, has elected, was elected yesterday as the next president of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. Great! I hope he bankrupts them all. Yeah. It's well, no, I guess I don't, because he only got there by mishandling um, sexual abuse by priests on his watch, and that would mean mm -hmm. that would mean all of them doing that more again. So, no, I don't want that. Crap. Dennis. Oh, that was it. it. Yeah. No. <laughs> Russell. Oh, again? It's your turn. Yeah, we're going around and around, getting a whole bunch of little news stories out. Okay. Uh, in <coughs> science news, sort mm -hmm. of, in academic news in a way, uh, Google, everyone's favorite search engine, or yeah. at least mine, is rolling out something new. Google Incorporated plans to announce on Thursday, that was this past Thursday, that it is adding a new search service aimed at scientists and academic researchers. Google Scholar, which was scheduled to go online Wednesday evening at scholar.google.com, is a result of the company's collaboration with a number of scientific and academic publishers and is intended as a first stop for researchers looking for scholarly literature like peer-reviewed papers, books, abstracts, and technical reports. Hmm. Google executives declined to say how many additional documents and books had been indexed and made searchable through the service. While the great majority of recent scholarly papers and periodicals are indexed on the web, many have not been easily accessible to the public. The engineer who led the project, Anurag Acharya, said the company has received broad cooperation from academic, scientific, and technical publishers like the Association of Computing Machinery, Nature, the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers, and the Online Computer Library Center. The new Google service, which includes a listing of scientific citations, as well as ways to find materials at libraries that are not online, will not initially include the text advertisements that are shown on standard pages for Google search results. Huh, cool. First thing I did when I heard about that was yeah. went there and searched for evolution of complex biochemical systems, because according to Michael Behe of the Intelligent Design Movement, no such research exist, exists. 42,000 hits. Cool. Wow. Oh, and I screwed up my story. You did? Yes. There's more. Oh. It says, um, uh, to some uh, bishops, Skyside's predicament in Spokane might even be a plus because it focuses attention on the shaky finances of many small dioceses, says the Reverend Tom Rees, editor of Catholic Weekly Magazine America. Bankruptcy may be the future of the Catholic Church, he said. Over the next decade, we could get 5, 10, 20 dioceses that have to declare bankruptcy in order to clear the decks of these suits. Spokane would be the third U.S. diocese to file for Chapter 11 after the diocese of Portland, Oregon, and Tucson. In all three cases, the filing came just as the diocese was about to face a civil trial by sex abuse victims alleging that church officials had concealed child molesters in the priesthood, according to Barbara Belaine, president of the Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests. What happens when you declare bankruptcy? I mean, does that mean anybody got their money? Oh, no, hell no. Nobody gets, nobody gets anything. The court says nobody can ask for their money. So... 
Um, of course, it's like a black what is mark. The... I mean, in the future, yeah. uh, people will almost certainly not lend to you for a very long time. They don't need people lending to them. They, they, they get right. people giving them money in a plate every week. Yeah, but they went bankrupt, which means they were spending more than they were getting in donations. No. Yes. They don't have to actually, uh, what I'm hearing is they don't actually have to be out of money in order to go bankrupt. Yeah, right. File chapter 11. Well, what they I wanted mean, they to do could... is they didn't, they wanted to avoid the consequences of these trials and the money that it would cost them after the trials, hmm. right? That's what it sounds okay, like to me. I see. Because yeah. they're evil, Russell. You're not factoring in their evilness. I forgot about that. Okay. Man. Um, okay. Um, well, one more quick thing, just sure. to keep everybody up to speed. Uh, a new ape species from Spain, or its close relative, may have been the last common ancestor to all living great apes, including humans, according to researchers. Um, like other great apes... Piero Lapificus Catalonicus. And no, we haven't been drinking. Just to the people in the chat room who are suspecting that, no, I would never be able to say Piero Lapificus Catalonicus had I been drinking. Last episode, we were doing a little drinking. I did okay. Had a stiff lower spine and other special adaptations for climbing. These features, plus the fossil's age of about 13 million years, suggest that this species was probably close to the last great ape ancestor, according to Moya Sola and colleagues. The great apes, which now include orangutans, chimpanzees, gorillas, and humans, are thought to have diverged from the lesser apes, a group that contains modern gibbons and siamangs, about 11 to 16 million years ago. Fossil evidence from this time period, the Middle Miocene Epoch, is sparse, however, and researchers have long been searching for the great ape ancestor that emerged after this split. Pyrolapithecus' ribcage, lower spine, and wrist show uh, key signs of specialized climbing abilities that link this specimen with modern great apes. In contrast, monkeys, which belong to a more primitive group, have more generalized movement abilities and lack these particular traits. Pierolopithecus refers to the village of El Hostelets de Pierolo near the fossil site, and Catalonicus is for Catalonia. The research is to appear in the November 19 issue of the research journal Science. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye, everybody.